we are um, uh, on the second week of uh, the DNA of faith, the DNA of faith, building blocks of faith, the, the fundamentals of faith, the parts of faith that you put together and actually something is seen and you, you see something and, uh, um, in the word and you can actually bring it into reality into your life. You know, it's maybe not the best way to say that because God brings it into reality in your life by you simply letting him do what he wants to do and letting him show you what he wants to show you and letting him open to you what he wants to open unto you. I want to read you, uh, first of all, a little quote from Smith Wigglesworth. It said, these days, his book, uh, Ever Increasing Faith, these are the days when we need to have our faith strengthened, when we need to know God God has designed that the just, just shall live by faith. Any man can be changed by faith no matter how he may be fettered. That's a really old word, probably sounds like King James. Any man can be changed by faith no matter how he may be bound. In other words, any man can be changed by faith no matter how he may be limited. Uh, any man can get past any cap that life or themselves or the devil has put on them by faith, right? In other words, you might look at your life or a uh, relationship, uh, life of, of a relationship of someone that you know, and you might see like, man, they're stuck, or I'm stuck, or when is this going to change? Why hasn't this changed? What's going on? And uh, why are things the way they are? Any man can be changed by faith no matter how he may be bound. That means uh, each of you point to yourself right now and say, I am any person. And my faith can, in God can change anything in my situation. Now I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to say something very biblical, so don't get nervous. Say, I am a believer I am not a doubter. I am a believer. I am not a doubter. I believe God. It'll be just the way he said. I'll have his very best in my life. For I am a believer. I am not a doubter. I am a believer. I am not a doubter. Amen. Realize, like, your words are powerful. In fact, some of the most powerful words that can change your life and affect your life are the very words that come out of your mouth. For the positive or for the negative. You actually set the course. You set your sail. You, you, be, you, you start things in motion by words that you speak. So your words, somebody said, well, I know God's words are, are very powerful. God's words are the most powerful. The thing is, if you could just get his words to come out of your mouth, then you'd get his results in your life. But what happens most of the time, I shouldn't say most of the time, sometimes, maybe even many times, is we find coming out of our mouth some other words besides his words. And we find stirring in our head some other thoughts besides his thoughts. But if you could just think like God, and you could just talk like God, you'd almost automatically start acting like God. 
In other words, you look at your situation and something that you are asking God for, that you, you see maybe in the word of God that something in your life doesn't match up with what the word says. And so you start to see, well, hey, this isn't right. This should not be this way. And so then you can take the word of God and stand on the word of God, and it doesn't matter what it is. Jesus, Jesus in probably uh, one of the best texts in the scriptures concerning faith, Mark eleven twenty three and 24, you, uh, I'm going to turn there. You remember Jesus said, verse 22, have faith in God. Verse 23, he's going to tell you how to do it. For verily I say unto you, in other words, emphatically, listen up, pay attention, don't be distracted right now. Whosoever will say to this mountain, well, a mountain is not a hill. A mountain is a mountain. This is profound. <laughs> Think about that. Put yourself in front of a mountain for a second. Mountains uh, can be intimidating. In fact, I declare my mother is delivered from fear of heights, but my mom doesn't like to drive through the mountains. <laughs> They're intimidating to her. And um, uh, she, she, uh, she gets scared by them <laughs> a lot of times. The Appalachian are okay, but especially goes to the Rockies, you know. Um, she's holding on to the car. But whoever says to this seemingly impossible pass, the seemingly impossible thing that you look, and it is so big and so amazing. And I, I read quite, uh, uh, when I, you see the news different times, you see like all these people, they're trying to conquer Mount Everest. It's something about conquering a mountain. There's something about getting the best of that mountain. But that mountain, that mountain doesn't move. That mountain just stays there. That mountain's there whether they climb that thing or not. But Jesus said, whosoever, that is anybody, anywhere, shall say to this mountain, to the mountain in your life, the challenge in your life, the difficulty in your life, the thing that you just desire in your life, that you look and you're, you're like, Lord, I, I, I want that. And you promised me in your word I could have that. Whoever says to that kind of mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Now, you know, you realize you can have a doubt in your head, but faith in your heart. What does that mean? Well, I don't want to get too far into it for the sake of time, but we are a three-part being. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. In now, this body allows us to live and function and interact in the natural world, this this world that you see, like, you know, you see the keyboard, you see this crazy wall and um, the building, and then you see each other, and I see you, okay, in the flesh, okay? So the body, your earth suit, allows you to function in this world and in this realm. But the real you, the inward you, is actually... Your place is up there with Christ in heavenly places. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's your position. 
So you're actually from another world, just as Jesus was from another world. But you have flesh, you're encased in flesh, your spirit's encased in your flesh here in this world to function in this world. And then Jesus needs you to do something because he doesn't have a body here in the earth realm. He has a body up in heaven, but he has not body here. He sent us. But he didn't send us alone. He didn't send us, uh, uh, well, he said it, uh, translation, uh, King James said, comfortless, but really without help or without vigor and strength and vitality and a strong ability, a confidence to turn and to dominate the world. That's the Holy Ghost. And he does that by showing us things to come, and he does it by taking all of the things that belong to Christ and making them touchable to us. He makes them real to us. So we can, we can grab hold of the things that are Christ's, that Christ gained, that Christ won, that Christ bought for us, that Christ made, Christ made for us. We can grab those things and we can possess them. And they can possess us. In other words, we own them. Why? Because he bought and paid for them uh, with his own blood, with his own life, with his own sacrifice. He did it for us. He didn't do it for himself except for the fact that he loved you, God loves you, and when he thought about you, he looked and he said, I want them in my family. I want them in my household. I want them to be close to me. I want to share special, secret, intimate things with them. And so, but he, he left us the Holy Spirit to make all of the stuff about him real. Because, uh, 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 what's it? The guy changed his name. David Youngy Cho, Paul Youngy Cho, pastor, former pastor of the largest church in the world, Seoul, South Korea, between 800,000 and a million people when he last pastored. Um, he's, he has a message called the fourth dimension. Okay? So we're actually, uh, your spirit man, you're actually in the dimension from God. Right? And you think about, sometimes I was thinking the other week about uh, being seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named. That's such good news. Like we're actually far, 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 far above. And um, I was thinking that, and I thought, well, I understand that and I understand spiritually, like that's where we're at. And um, all of a sudden, I got this great uh, uh, example. And I remembered when I got married. And once we got married, then we went to this reception hall, and it was in uh, the end of June in Minnesota. And uh, normally it's very pleasant weather there, but it happened to be probably like today's going to be very humid and hot, and so our hall didn't have air conditioning. That's totally a side point. (laughs) But at the wedding, we had like a head table, or it was a couple tables put together, but they did a tablecloth like it's one table. So we're at this head table, and... There's all these seats, and all those seats are reserved. And those seats were reserved for the bride and the groom and the best man and and then all of the groomsmen and then uh, the maid of honor and all of the bridesmaids. And um, um, the example I got was, it's like if the best man was seated right next to the groom, which they normally are in a traditional setup, and then he goes out. What happens after? Because they get to eat first. Everybody else is watching them eat normally. So they get to eat first. And then he goes out to tables to see his friends and stuff like that. And they're like, uh, where are you seated at? Well, I'm seated up there at the head table. That's my place up there. But I'm out here talking to you. 
I'm out here with you. And so I think in many cases, that's how we are with Christ. In other words, we're seated up there. That's our place. But right now, for this period of time, we're here in the earth realm. And thank God we are. Because we can preach the gospel. We can tell people about Jesus Christ. We have the privilege to bring forth that message. Actually, the Bible says in Hebrews that the angels desire to look into that. But they can't even preach the gospel. It's ordained by God that men and women preach the gospel. Mankind preaches the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... um, You believe in your heart, not in your head. So if you have uh, a belief that you form from the word of God, that's the best kind of belief. That's the Bible kind of belief. That'll get you Bible faith and Bible results. Then you don't really have to be so concerned about a doubtful thought that comes to your head. But what you have to be concerned about is you are made for dominion. You are made to rule and to reign. Romans says that in Romans chapter 5. Rule and reign in this life. But it doesn't stop there. By the one, Jesus Christ. Well, how, what, 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 what does that have to do with anything? Well, Jesus came and he exercised dominion over every realm of the natural world. And he showed his dominion over every realm of the natural world. So when we exercise dominion, when we rule and reign in life, we rule and reign by the one, Jesus Christ. Not, in other words, if I'm talking to myself, I don't rule and reign by the one, Timothy Ostrom. I, in other words, don't, I don't look at me. I don't uh, uh, I count my life as nothing. My life is hid in Christ with God. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Christ is the anointed one and his anointing. The life I live in this body, I live how? How do I live life, real life, my full life? By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when you look at the amount of authority that we have, you choose whether you're going to act based on the thought, based on the realm of reason, or based on the word. Like you, you see that all the way from, you know, I talked a second ago about how much God loves you and, and looks at you. But you know, you still have the choice to turn away from that loving God. You don't have to accept his free gift of salvation, his free gift of life. You don't have to accept his gift of healing. You don't have to accept his gift of deliverance. You don't have to accept his gift of prosperity. You can go and you can say, no, 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 I don't believe that. That, That's not for me. I don't trust him in that area. I I think he must have lied when he said that in the word. That must be a lie, so I'm not going to deal with it. Because, uh, you know, you say, like, I would never say that. Well, no, you probably would never say it that way, but... When we take what other people say and experiences other people have, and we live our life by those because Aunt Sylvia said that she believed God would heal her and she died at 35, well, then I, it can't be true. So we're saying because Aunt Sylvia's experience, the part that we know of Aunt Sylvia's experience, Uh, seems to make that not be true, it must not be true. But we're to live 
and walk and move by faith, faith in God and faith in God's word. So, um, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever God says. No, he'll have whatsoever he says. Uh, I really uh, like to combine that with in um, John chapter 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And so this is a series on faith in God, not faith in faith, not faith in yourself, not faith in your parents, not faith in the school system, not faith in the government. It's faith in God. And the only way you have faith in God is you have to know about God. How shall they hear without a preacher? How, so, how can someone know the message? In other words, man, I went years, uh, well, now that I'm getting older, it doesn't seem like so many years, but I went like uh, 22 years. <laughs> it sounds so short. I went 22 years, and I didn't understand that healing is part of redemption. I didn't understand that prosperity is part of the package, it's part of redemption. Uh, I thought, well, it might happen and it might not. And, you know, and then even some people help you think like, well, you know, if there's disease that runs in your family, you better uh, prepare ahead of time because, you know, you're likely to get that. So I, not only was I not, uh, not on the positive side of it, I was actually sort of expecting the negative side. And uh, man, when I found out the truth, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free or make you free. And I thought, uh, uh, I can remember standing in services, worshiping the Lord. I'm like, this is awesome. This is awesome. Could it be true? Could it be true? And then I would think of the scriptures like, it says it. It said it there the whole time. And I could have known it the whole time, but I didn't see it. I didn't see it until the Holy Spirit took that from Christ, what he did, and made it real to me. In other words, made it real enough that I started thinking different made it real enough that I started talking different and made it real enough that I started acting different. I remember I went on a uh, missions trip uh, my first year of Bible school. When I went on the missions trip, we went to Mexico City with uh, Tim and Rhonda Rogers. And we went down there and, you know, when I was a, a, a young child, like, uh, I don't know, probably kindergarten age, I think, I uh, got a pretty severe back injury. And... Uh, but my, my dad knew the doctor, and so the doctor said, well, you know, we can put him up in traction for a couple weeks here, and, um, and uh, that'll fix him up, but that'll cost you a lot of money. And he said, the doctor said to my dad, I know that you're very uh, handy around the house, so you could just, uh, yeah, some people are making faces, you could just um, hang him uh, by his feet from the ceiling. And so that's what they did. And so they put like pads, ropes and pads around my ankles and, and hung me uh, upside down by my ankles uh, from the ceiling and it uh, straightened everything out. And then the doctor said, you know, when you get old, you're going to have like really bad arthritis. It's going to be terrible and all this type of stuff. And so, you know, that's what I grew up, grew up uh, knowing, ex you know, expecting, I guess. And, um, and so... Uh, after that, it would be different times. I would uh, kind of hurt my back. And um, not, not a ton of times, but just sometimes, like right there, it was a lot. And um, so when I was um, getting home from the missions trip, I grabbed my suitcase out of the back of my pickup truck. And I just, uh, oh, no, I must have grabbed it to put it in the pickup truck because I didn't drive the truck to Mexico. So I grabbed the suitcase, I put it in the pickup truck, and when I did that, 
I was like froze. Oh man, the pain, I couldn't move, and I was like, oh. And so, but I had just been on this trip, and I had uh, been studying the authority of the believer and uh, some of these type of things, and I still have that copy of it because I got Mexico mud on it, so it's special to me. And so I said, no, I'm not going to have this in the name of Jesus. And within five minutes, I was loosed and free. I was moving around and doing all this, and I was like, whoa. And so I learned how to get it. I learned how to, how to overcome that by faith. But it was something that I was told, like, this is, this is going to be part of your future. Let me prophesy to you and tell you your future. You don't want to let the devil prophesy to you. You don't want to let well-meaning, naturally educated people speak your future to you. And then what do you do? You follow it out. Paul said to Timothy, you wage a good warfare by paying attention to the prophecies that were spoken over you. In other words, those are prophecies from God. But you realize you're going to fail at your warfare if you're responding to what someone besides God said about you. You will always be limited. You will not measure up if you go and you allow someone besides God himself to have that voice in your life. In other words, you'll have a cap. They told us we were, how do I? We, my wife and I were um, traveling with uh, Kenneth Hagin. Okay, okay, so, so I, I didn't know Kenneth Hagin. You guys know this story probably. 1998, uh, I got filled with the Holy Ghost on December 30th, 1997, and then I snuck off to a spirit-filled church, pastored by a woman of all things. It was great church. Anyhow, <laughs> at that time, they had eight, had, had eight clinically brain-dead people completely restored. One of the guys I met him, he was the usher. He's one of the, he was so quick and smart and all this stuff, and he was left for dead at the hospital. But in fact, they invited her, her name is Sandra Kennedy, they invited her to come in. She teaches, she teaches a message, alternative methods of healings at the Medical College of Georgia. Because at least they were wise enough to see, like, maybe we don't know everything. Um, Anyhow, I snuck off to here and then uh, uh, snuck off to there. And then uh, they said, this guy's coming. I liked older ministers saw, uh, and saw um, that uh, this guy was coming. So I went to the meetings and then I ended up going to Rama, and, um, and um, the rest is kind of history, you know. Um, that's funny. I was talking about that at our Wednesday night meeting and I forgot and the exact same thing happened now. So I'll remember in just a second, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Well, something, something about that story. Something about that story. Um, oh, yes, thank you. So I, we got to travel with Dad Hagen then. And so I went to Rama. When I went to school, then I thought, this is great. This is going to be great. I'm surrounded by all these people of faith. Da, da, da. And I went to class, and I thought, huh. There's not so many people <laughs> of that much faith as what I thought, you know? But why did we go to school, right? Because we're there to learn how to walk by faith, live by faith, and respond to the Holy Spirit and allow and cultivate the move of the Holy Spirit. And so um, then I thought, I went on staff at the ministry, and I thought, okay, well, now there's gonna, just going to be all, all these. And there were a few more. And then I thought, well, I'm, now I'm traveling with that Hagen. Like, this is, this is going to be amazing. Like, you know, well, um, uh, you get, you get too few numbers, that's why I hesitated to tell the story, you know. But wonderful people, everything like that. But 
uh, you can have faith in one area and not faith in another. And uh, if somebody has treated you badly, a lot of times you you got to watch. Um, one of the things that helped me the most in my life, and especially in ministry, ministry that the Lord has entrusted to me, is that never respond out of offense. Never minister out of offense. What does that mean? Well, you could be offended like, well, you treated me wrong like that. Of course, okay, everybody kind of can see that as offense. But in other words, you might see, well, this happened to you and, uh, or this happened to Aunt Susie, like I said before, and all of a sudden now you start to form your life around that. Well, that's really an offense because before you kind of believed that and now you've let that, you've let that have a place. We ought not let that have a place. We let the word of God have a place. The word of God actually illuminated by the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, the devil brought the word of God to Jesus. But the Holy Spirit wasn't illuminating that as like, this is what you should do. The Holy Spirit gave Jesus the right words to speak. Okay? And so when we're traveling, then um, uh, we got engaged. And um, uh, right before... Melody hadn't, I guess, come on any trips until we were engaged, and then she came on a trip or two, and some uh, wonderful, well-meaning people said, you know, you better get ready, because once you're married, you guys are not going to get to travel together. You're not going to get to travel together. Well, one of the ministers that was traveling with the team took us aside, and apparently either he just was led by the Holy Ghost, or he happened to hear, or both, but he said, you know, he's like, you know, some people said, like, you can't travel together once you get married. He said, you can have whatever you can believe for. And we said, oh, you know, we didn't think to believe God for that. And so after that, we went back and we prayed together. And guess what happened? Except for one meeting, we traveled together. After we were married. Before we were married and after we were married. And so um, people will try to limit you. And it's not even, you know, they they are um, normally, uh, they have a... um, a good reason. They're not trying to be mean. They're not trying to do these things. And um, so you want to have, like Jesus taught us, have faith in God. Put your trust in God. Look to what God is saying, not to what um, people are saying. And so faith is, the, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you have this thing that you're hoping for, right? And hope doesn't make us ashamed, we have to have hope. Um, and I'm just going to review this part real quick. Faith forms a solid ground for what is hoped for. So if you want a solid, you have hopes. Um, hopefully you have hopes. If you don't have hopes, come, we'll pray for you. And you'll see that there is hope in Jesus Christ. But faith forms a solid ground for what is hoped for, a conviction of unseen realities, okay? So there's a whole lot that we don't perceive with our natural senses that is real and that is available. Like, I know that there's a lot available because I used to think, uh, oh, I knew all that was available. Not all, but, you know, a lot of what's available. And then you start to see glimpses of what's available, and you start to say, like, wow, wow. I don't really know much of what's available. Like it goes beyond, it blows your mind. And you start to, um, uh, when you start to see by the light that the Holy Spirit brings, man, your limitations are taken off. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, 
there is liberty. So if you feel bondage, if you feel stuck, if you feel like uh, it's, it's impossibilities and you feel all of these type of feelings, you feel, you feel, you feel, you feel. Well, you might pray and say, Lord, you said that the Holy Spirit would make the things of Christ, take his things and make them real to me. And I'm expecting that. And how do you, how do you, how do, you do that by faith? Or you just say, well, Lord, I'm going to read your word right now. You said when he has come, he will guide me into all truth. So you said that the Holy Spirit would be my guide. In other words, we went to uh, the Grand Canyon uh, and uh, rented these mules. My, my dad, it was like the dream vacation he always wanted to do for us, but they weren't able to do it while we were at home. So maybe a few years after uh, I was in the military and stuff, and then they blessed us and paid for this whole trip for our whole family to go. But we had a guide take us down into the Grand Canyon to show us all of this stuff. And his name was Bud, and I think he retired after that. He was this old, old man, you know, tough and everything. And he would tell all these stories and these type of things because he knew this. He knew this way. He knew this path. He knew the mules. He understood all of these things so he could be our guide. And so you say, Lord, you said that the Holy Spirit would be my guide. So I'm not here alone. I'm not trying to figure this out alone. What does that mean? Well, if you try to read the word of God without relying upon the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get much out of it. But if you are taking and you take the word of God, the holy word of God, this is a special word. This is not just some book. These are the words of God himself who created the world and created every molecule in your body. If you take and you come and you say, Lord, you said that the Holy Spirit would make this real to me and would reveal it to me, would open it up to me. And so I'm expecting that right now. So as I read this, even ahead of time, thank you for doing that. Well, that's acting on the word. Faith simply acts like the Bible's true because it actually believes it is true. And so faith is not... Uh, worried and fretting and trying to figure it out and well what's going to happen and I wonder if this and I wonder if that no faith forms a solid ground for what you hope for so if you have a hope for something maybe it's healing in your body and you have a hope and you say that maybe you come and there's a ministry line or you come up to the end of the service and we pray for you and then hands are laid on you and you're so excited and you walk away and you're like okay I hope, I hope it changes. I hope something happens. I hope this, I hope that. Well, don't throw away your hope because if you don't have hope, you wouldn't even come forward. You wouldn't even look to God. You'd just be like, there's no hope. There's no hope. But that's not faith because faith forms a solid ground. So much so that the second that you're like, I don't really care what anybody says because I believe the second hands are laid on me, the power of God is alive on my behalf. In other words, it's effective on my behalf. In other words, they would say, um, I think it was Oral Roberts used to say, you get a point of contact. In other words, there's some point that you can take what you believe and you say, once I do that, or once so-and-so does that, that's the point that I cut off all doubt, I cut off all disbelief because I see it clear enough because the Holy Spirit opened it up to me that I know that I know that that's the way it is. Right, And so you take that, and that's solid ground to stand on. That's called faith. And when you take that then, the reason like, that's, that was such a good message, the point of contact, is because as soon as you have that point, 
Brother Hagin used to say, look at your watch. Look at the time and say, Sunday morning at 11.52, I believed God. Uh, actually, he would say, Sunday morning, June 11th, at 11.52 a.m., I believed God. Why? Because the devil certainly is going to come back and try to say, oh, no, can't you see? Your body's not changed. Can't you see? Nothing's different. Can't you see? It's going to be this way. Can't you see? That's all a lie. That's all a fake. And so... You have to have a point at which you release your faith and you allow your faith, I don't know where that thing is, you allow your faith to be active. And so I want to tell you a quick story and then, um, it's funny, you can say what time it is and that doesn't even register on you. Okay. So anyhow, <laughs> um, there was actually a lady who had been in a wheelchair for four years and she came to one of Kenneth Hagin's meetings, Brother Hagin's meetings. She'd been in the wheelchair, and uh, he taught on faith. And she came up afterwards to be prayed for. And um, she's like, she's like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just don't know if I can believe. I just don't know if I can this, I can that, and I'm not sure and everything. And he said, Well, he said, um, Sister, did you know that you are healed? And she said, I, I am. And he said, yeah, you are healed. And she said, you know, kind of puzzled. And he said, read 1 Peter 2.24. She read it out loud. By whose stripes you were healed. And uh, he said, is were present tense, future tense, or past tense? And she said, well, well, it's past tense. All of a sudden, she saw the Holy Spirit open it up to her. She could see it. And she said, well, if we were, then I was. And if I was, then I am. Okay, and that's wonderful because that's what you have to have. You have to have uh, the Spirit of God show you stuff. But that happens to a whole lot of people and they don't actually live with the blessing in this seen felt realm. Because the very next thing he said was, he said, will you do something if I tell you? And she said, I will if it's easy. He would always say, everybody's looking for something easy. He said, it's the easiest thing you've ever done in your life. He said, I want you to start thanking God and praising God because you are healed right now. Here's the key. He said, the reason that I did that was because I knew if I didn't immediately get her focused on that and praising God, the devil would come and say, well, if you're healed, why are you still in the chair? And all of a sudden, she would give that thought place. You see, so, so many times, well, actually, all the time, because right here, right in this room, the Bible tells us that Jesus is right in our midst. And when he's in our midst, everything that he has is with him. So every bit of healing, every bit of dominion over all the works of the devil and of the enemy is right here, right here in this atmosphere, right here in this place. Whatever you need is right here in this place. But what happens? The devil wants to twist and deceive, especially when he sees, uh-oh, they're going to get something. Because they're trusting God. So he's going to say, 
uh, these thoughts will come. And he normally, so many times, speaks just by a thought. And the thoughts will come and say, like, well, you know, yeah, you see that all right, but you're, you're stuck in this chair. You know, and that's, you, you can see that, but it's not going to affect your life. It's not going to do this. It's not going to do that. But your praise actually magnifies God and connects you with God and silences the voice of the enemy. I mean, some of the biggest challenges I've had in my life, the only way out was to praise. The only way out was to magnify God. The only doorway and window to freedom was to reach out to him that is above and lives inside of me and allow my worship of him and my praise of him to come out and dominate the atmosphere. Because there's something about your voice. Pastor Mark says, your mountain needs to hear your voice. Your voice is your address in the spirit. And the second that you lift your voice, uh, Romans chapter 4, the second that you lift your voice, then you activate things of the kingdom coming from that realm into this realm. Listen to, listen to Abraham, uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, uh, for he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. This says he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So if you want to be strong in faith, you give glory to God. What, what does that mean? Well, let's just make it like every day. Like, um, okay, if I could like come over here and I just, I'm not going to do it. If I come over here and I just run with all my might and I just do cartwheels all across this crazy wall, all right here, and I skip the thing and come all the way down here and I come over here and I, I just nail the landing. You guys might go, you give glory to Tim because that was pretty cool. I wish I could do that. That would, be, that, that would have been a great illustration. And so, um, but Abraham grew strong in faith by giving glory to God, knowing that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. God is the God that calls those things which be not as though they were, as though they actually were that way. And it says, because of the promise of God, he did not waver between certainty and uncertainty, but was empowered by faith. By confessing God's power, literally by giving God glory. So all of a sudden, you have this that you're believing God for. And what did Abraham start doing? He believed God that he would be the father of many nations. He believed that God had already made him the father of many nations. How did he already do it? Because God said it. I have made you the father of many nations. He believed that. And he believed that what he said, he was able also to perform. In other words, he was the believer and God was the performer. And so he gave glory to God. So if you believe it's done, what do you do? You do the same thing as the woman that was sitting in that wheelchair, had not lifted a foot, had not gotten up at all. You say, glory to God, Father, thank you that I can walk. In fact, what she did is she said, just out of her heart, he said, you know, can you, can you just thank the Lord that you are healed. And she said, Lord, 
I just want to thank you that I'm healed. You know how tired I got of sitting in this chair all these four years, couldn't do anything for myself. Oh, I'm so thankful I can do stuff for myself. I'm so thankful I can move. I'm so thankful I can do all this. And he said, okay, now my sister, arise and walk in the name of Jesus. And she leaped out of that chair and she jumped up and down and she danced and she said, he said, she sat back down in the chair and then she got up and she leaped up again. She's 72 years old. And then she got up and she danced and she sat back down and she got up and she danced again. But she grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, knowing that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And so your voice of faith, you're just saying, oh, look, Tim's so cool. He did all those cartwheels. So your voice of faith with God is like, well, God is awesome. There is not a sickness that the devil can try to come up with. There's not a way he can try to corrupt my body that God has not already conquered every bit of lack, every bit of sickness, every bit of infirmity, every bit of inability, every bit of muscular deterioration. There is not a bit that the devil can come up with that God has not already preordained for actually he ordained Christ as a lamb slain before the earth was formed, before the foundation of the earth was laid. Christ was ordained. As a lamb slain, before the devil could come up with any hint of a thought of how to corrupt what God had already done, because he's not creative one bit, God had the answer. So it's not like all of a sudden God was surprised like this happened. Like, uh, oh no, what are we going to do now? Let's have a meeting of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and figure out what we're going to do. No, he, he knew ahead of time. He knows all. He goes ahead and he goes before. So whatever your situation is today that you're in, God knew ahead of time that you would be in this very situation. God knew ahead of time where you would be right now in your life. He knew exactly what you were going to go through. He knew the thoughts the devil was going to bring. He knew all of this stuff. And then he sent his word. Psalm 34 actually says, he sent his word and healed you and delivered you from all of your destructions. He sent his word and healed us and delivered us from our destructions. Stand with me if you would. I have one more scripture and we'll pray and close. Glory to God. Psalm 107 verse 22 says, And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Well, why is thanksgiving a sacrifice? Well, sometimes your flesh just doesn't want to say thank you. Uh, it can be pride, but it can be many other things. You're just tired. And like, uh, you don't feel like it. But you know what? As soon as you begin to thank God, you'll notice all of a sudden you've got more strength to thank him. You've got more, it's more of a solid ground. And so you say, thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that my body is whole. I want to thank you that my body is healed. I want to thank you that even though right now in my body it feels weak. It feels barren. It feels impossible. I want to thank you that I am not limited by the feeling of my body, but I'm limited only by what you said in your word. And you said in your word that you sent your word and you healed me and you set me free from this. You set me free from anything the devil would try to do. I want to thank you, Father, because you're good, because you said the same spirit that took the body of Christ and raised him and his spirit and raised him from the dead, that same spirit lives in my more 
mortal flesh and blood and bone body right now, and that spirit makes my body live. Where there is death, there is now life. Where there was death, there is now life. Where there was inability, there is now ability, because you accomplished it through your son, my Lord, Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly, closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is alive, that your word is powerful, that your word actually has just penetrated our thought realm and gone straight into our spirit. Father, we thank you for the power of your word, that your word transforms us, that your word changes our thinking. We declare in the name of Jesus that we will have your very best in every area of our life, that we don't draw back and we don't look back, but we move forward, that we move out into your perfect plan for us. We walk out now into your perfect health for our bodies, and we refuse to allow or accept anything that is less than your perfect will. So we refuse to allow anything in our bodies except for perfect divine health and healing. In fact, we declare that our bodies function and operate the way that you had planned from the beginning, from the foundation of the world, that we are strong in our bodies, healthy in our bodies. We're not under the curse. We're under the blessing. Jesus took the curse. He carried away all of our sickness. He carried away all of our disease. He carried away my sickness. He carried away my disease. And so now I walk in health. I walk in health. I walk in health. I walk in wealth. I walk in ability. I walk in prosperity. I walk in illumination. Your word is light. Your spirit has made your word real to me. And now I don't walk in darkness, but I walk in light. I don't walk in fear. I'm not full of fright, but I walk as a child of the light. I walk out into the realm of the natural, but I have come from the realm of God, from your realm, from the realm of supernatural. And so now I bring from that place and from that realm the truth of your word and the power of your spirit, and I allow him to move, and I allow him to show and I allow him to demonstrate and I give him place in my life so that I don't look anymore behind and I don't look to the past but I, I let that alone and I, and I say no, 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 that's not my thought that's not my way. I go the king's highway. I walk with him, I talk with him, I fellowship with him and he opens unto me the way that he has made and ordained that I should walk and so I enter into his plan and I don't follow my own way or my own thought but I walk right smack dab in the middle of the will of my heavenly father and he illuminates and he shows oh and with him with him as i walk we go we go here and we go there and he shows and he declares this is the way i have ordained and set apart and made available for you to live look at the price that was paid so that you couldn't be down here on the side wondering and wandering but you could be sure and you could know you could be sure and you could know that i have set you free from all the power of the enemy that i have set you free from all of the lack all of the bondage all the things that would try to hold you back. I have set you free so that you can walk in glorious strength and life and health and liberty. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.